Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Tasty Tidbits Podcast. Get ready to receive rich, well-seasoned, and tasteful tidbits to transform your life. Each week, Dr. Tiffany comes to you with inspirational encouragement and thought-provoking interviews to help you revolutionize your walk with God. Are you hungry for more of His presence? Then get ready. And now, your host, pastor, author, and motivational speaker, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tasty Tidbits. I am your host, Dr. Tiffany Watkins, and I'm so excited to have you again on this particular episode. We're going to be talking about something very interesting today that I know that will help the listeners, and I know uh, a whole lot of us have experienced this at one time. And so we're going to talk about trauma today. And my guest, Danielle Burnett, she's going to be here with us today, and she's going to uh, help us understand trauma and how to deal with trauma and also about trauma in the church and so many other things and so we're going to get started and first of all welcome Danielle I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today thank you for having me (laughs) glad you could be here today and I'm going to read a little bit about her and then we're going to let her tell a little bit about herself Danielle is an international award-winning author she is a speaker a podcast host and a trauma-informed self-love coach who helps men and women and organizations emerge with a clear vision of their value and take ownership of their choices and chart a path to their purpose, becoming victorious, which I love that, victorious souls that embrace the change from survive to to thrive through the power of the love of God. She has authored four books um, and written for numerous online publications. And her stories have been published into two book anthologies. So again, welcome again, Daniela. Uh, We're glad to have you on the podcast today, but tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. That's some general knowledge about me. I'm married. I've been married for 42 years. (laughs) I have two adult children who are married. I have six living grandchildren. Um, I've been a follower of the Lord for a long time, but I struggled in my walk for many trauma reasons. (laughs) And um, my core focus in life is love, is to walk in love and to spread love and to help people know they're loved. And my husband was the first person in my life that I witnessed unconditional love in my life. So he's a real big part of my story. He holds a full chapter in my first book. Oh, wow. That's good. You know, while you were talking, I just think that, you know, I think that's what's missing in the world. I know that is, it's just uh, more people knowing that they are loved. You know, um, we think that we would hear it more, but oftentimes you don't. And just knowing that somebody cares, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. It does. It really does. You know, I I, want to open up with a quote, um, since we're talking about trauma, that went viral from your book from it, with Emerging with Wings. And it was a true story of lies, pain, and love that heals. But the quote said, trauma is personal. Uh, it does not disappear if it is not validated. When it is ignored or invalidated, the silent screams continue internally heard only by the one held captive. 
When someone enters the pain and hears the screams, healing can begin. Uh, explain uh, to the listeners about trauma and why you believe this quote went viral. Oh, explain it. Those are two very big <laughs> questions <laughs> to kind of put them together. They're kind of too big to put together. Um, why it went viral? I'll start with that before okay. I get into the Why it went viral? Okay. I, I really couldn't say exactly other than mm -hmm. it's true. And yeah. it was a revelation to me when I wrote it because trauma, see the, the answers kind of go together. Yeah. yeah. Trauma is personal and people tend to compare their traumas. They dismiss their trauma. They will say they don't have trauma because it's not as bad as something they think is trauma or as bad as someone else's life or as bad as whatever fill in the blank thing or their life was just normal. I don't have any trauma. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. The trauma is personal was so impactful for me because I dismissed much of my trauma, all of my trauma, because I, I did, I compared it. I compared it to a tsunami. I compared it to a plane crash. I compared it to like the Sandy Hook, you know, massacre. And my counselor, she said, you can't compare those. <laughs> you, <laughs> no, they are not those, <laughs> but you cannot compare that. You cannot compare, but we do. We tend to compare. It's one of the natures of trauma is shame and blame. Mm -hmm. So when we get into the shame and blame of it, then we try to compare because we're trying to negate it to make it not as bad or we're not as bad because we're trying to qualify something because we feel so bad. Mm -hmm. An important thing to know about trauma is trauma is not an incident. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trauma is not the thing that happened. It's not the event. Trauma mm -hmm. is a wound that is inside the soul and inside the brain. Trauma mm -hmm. is involuntary. And that's another thing people really need to hear because people shrink away from that word trauma. Mm -hmm. Shrink mm -hmm. away from it for numerous reasons, fear, uh, how people are going to look at them, that they should have been stronger or whatever fill in the blank reason it is. But it's involuntary. If you fell down and hit your head on the concrete and it cracked your head open, you couldn't blame yourself that your head cracked open. <laughs> it was an involuntary <laughs> thing. And we need to compare the natural to the traumatic emotional thing because we can see wounds on our bodies. Mm -hmm. you know, it's easy to go, well, I need to go to the ER because the, the bone is broken or whatever the thing is that we can see when it's a physical malady. Mm -hmm. But when it's an emotional or mental malady, something that's going on in the unseen realm, we dismiss it, we cover it, we hide it, we're, we're ashamed of it, we think we should have done better than that. So trauma being personal and explaining this long process about the inner screams, because if you don't get rid of the trauma, those screams will never go away. Mm -hmm. They get louder and they get deeper and trauma is toxic. It, it gets deadly if it doesn't get dealt with. Mm -hmm. And when it's, it needs to start with being validated because you can't heal something you don't see. If you don't see it, you won't do anything about it. So mm -hmm. it has to start with being validated. That's the very first step. It has to be validated. This thing did happen and it hurt me. And I have this fallout in my life. Have to start there. And then mm -hmm. someone has to go to where all that screaming's happening. Someone has to enter the pain. 
They have to hear that those screams. They have to validate that pain must be validated so that it can be healed. It could be loved out of us because God can love that out of us. He loved me, loved all that trauma out of me. And I'm just amazed because of at the beginning of my journey, when I sat down to write my book, I was still dismissing my trauma, a bunch of it. And I learned some of it while I was writing my book and I had to take ownership of that trauma. But by doing that, that paved the way for me to be healed of it. And I've been healed of things I didn't even know was wrong back then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, can, you know, can somebody be suffering from trauma and not know it? Of course, yes, definitely, absolutely. People can suffer from it because they've dismissed it as normal. There are children that grow up in abusive households that they get beaten. I mean, oh. they go to the hospital and stuff. Oh my goodness. And they don't think of, you know, and they have the side effects of that in their life. They have the emotional side effects of that. They have a whole list of side effects. Relational problems is one of the side effects of trauma. And they'll dismiss, oh no, that I had a rough household. That, you know, that was normal. And children who grow up with divorce, some kids are fine. Some kids are not fine. And then, well, my parents got divorced and, you know, and then they blow it off. Mm -hmm. When they blow it off is nothing, but it's something that you have fruit of it coming over and over again, but you blow mm -hmm. it off. You're hiding it from yourself or you don't know that it's there. Like something called childhood emotional neglect. I learned the term by Dr. Janice Webb. And what that is, is when a child is not, raised with enough emotional nurture that they needed. No parent's perfect. Every parent's going to screw up. Even Dr. Janice Webb says that. <laughs> and there's, she's got a great book, Running on Empty. I advertise for her all the time. <laughs> to 12 different ways that a person could suffer emotional neglect and the side effects of it. But when I was talking with my counselor, when I was writing my first book, I was talking about, you know, Point A, you know, to get to point B, I was getting to point B. But while I was starting, I said, well, when I grew up, I felt like my, you know, I didn't feel like I was loved and I felt like I didn't belong in my family. And I, I felt like maybe I was adopted or something like that. And then I would just brushed off and went into what I wanted to talk about. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Said, Why did you not feel loved? Why did you feel like you didn't belong in your family? And I was like, I don't know. I had no idea. Those are evidential side effects of childhood emotional neglect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And had she not stopped me, I would have never dealt with that. I, she went on to say, well, children are generally, you know, close to their parents. They run to them and they know that they love them. And I don't remember what all she said to me, but I was like deer in the headlights when she was telling me. <laughs> she said something went terribly wrong. I'm like, mm -hmm. Really? And see, people can be suffering from something that went terribly wrong, but they didn't know that it went wrong. Childhood emotional neglect is something that you didn't get that you needed. It's an empty space and you can't see something that's not there. Mm -hmm. So many people suffer from childhood emotional neglect and have no idea. That's something that I want to help people to see and recognize. It's why I have an assessment that I offer at my website for people to go through these different, this different side effects, how much are you affected by this, that, and the other thing for you to be able to identify? Is this you or not? Mm -hmm. 
And that's very valuable because, you know, if you don't know you have it, that assessment will be able uh, to give you an understanding if you do have it or not, and to be able to go forward in order to get treatment for it, to get help for it, to get counseling for it, you know, to be able to talk to someone about it. Because um, if you don't deal with it, I've, I've learned in dealing with people and ministry and different things is that when you don't deal with the um, trauma that you're suffering from, uh, it comes out in different behavioral uh, ways mm -hmm. in, in your life and many different behavioral uh, aspects of your life. You'll do things that you don't understand why you're doing, but I believe, exactly. um, you know, Danielle, that it, 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 it starts from the emotional trauma that we have gone through even as a child, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's important to understand that so that you can be free from it, be healed from it, Right. Um, and allow God to heal you and deliver you from it because it will continue to eat you up even into adulthood. And I know you'll talk a little bit more about that, but you know, I, I experienced some a lot of childhood issues and things like this. And a lot of people know my story, you know, just going through sexual abuse and that in itself, it has a lot um, of emotional effects upon you that causes you to act out in ways as you go grow up and even into adulthood if you don't um, get healed from it and deal with those issues and, right. and deal with the trauma. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you, you talked about being able with the trauma as far as um, that you didn't feel like that you were loved or cared for, but was there any other time where you experienced trauma? And if you did, how did that affect you? Oh, yes. I had suffered <laughs> multiple childhood traumas. Um, in addition to the childhood emotional neglect, which is something I discovered while I was writing my first book, I suffered the trauma of close deaths in my family. I lost my grandmother. Um, and two months later, I lost my father. And I was there during the event. And it was very loud and terrifying. And four years later, I lost my eldest brother, and was lied about kind of how he died mm -hmm. but um because I found out later that they weren't sure but to me it was a blatant lie they said he'd been murdered and he had not been murdered mm -hmm. and you know these these three deaths they grief if undealt with it, it ravages you and even if it's dealt with it it can do horrendous things to you but we we had no help we had no help in dealing with any of this grief. I went through these losses and had no emotional support, no, no counseling, no help, no idea how to deal with all of that pain. And before that took place, I suffered two other traumas, one in the church and, and one in school. They were both uh, public humiliation. Mm -hmm. At school, I was publicly humiliated in front of the entire school and then bullied in the classroom because of it. And in the other one happened at church that I was publicly rejected in front of the entire church and humiliated in front of the mm -hmm. entire church. And then later invited to come back and earn their favor oh, no. so that they would accept me into that, which only laid a really deep groundwork of lies in my heart, mm -hmm. just mangling the gospel. I, my understanding of the gospel was so mangled. It was that we had to earn it. I mean, I heard the words, you know, for God so loved the world that he, and you know, you're saved by grace through faith. And it's like, but every time I heard any one of those things, you know, God loves you. It was, there was always a, but there was mm -hmm. a, this happened, you know, God loves you, but 
God loves you, but you better behave. God loves you, but this is going to happen. But you have to do this. But you must do this. But you got to go to church. But you got to dress like this. You got to look like this. You got to act like this. You got to be like this. And it was always conditional. Mm-hmm. And so those two traumas happened before the loss of my grandmother and my father and my brother. So we had no connection with the church. We had no support through any of that. And mm-hmm. I had no help dealing with any of those traumas because I didn't talk about them either. Oh, I also had the one in first grade too, where I was shamed in front of the entire class by my first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. So well, and, I just, and- I felt like I had no right to exist. I had no voice. I've been stripped of a voice. I had no sense of value. And that's what trauma does. It strips a person of their sense of value and their sense of self. And there's a brilliant man, Dr. Gabor Mate. He explains in a way that it's easy to understand why children blame themselves for their trauma, because that's what they do. But Mm -hmm. why? Mm -hmm. They do it because most of the time, a trauma will take place at the hands of someone who is a caregiver, someone who they need in their life. Mm -hmm. So they need this person in their life. And so because they need this person in their life, they cannot turn this person they need into a villain. Instead, they have to turn themselves into the villain. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up blaming myself for everything. And I was quite a wreck by the time I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's true. You know, um, I think about even going through the experiences that I had been through as a child. And the first thing I say to myself, well, what did I do, you know, and you're growing up and you're a child and you're still learning, you're still developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that part of yourself that blames yourself and, you know, those that are listening today, you may have experienced something even at a, at a childhood age um, and you blamed yourself, but it's not your fault, you know, and God is there to heal you. He's there to free you even from the trauma that you may be suffering today, if you give it to him. And that's why I have Danielle on today, because she also has a book and tools that will be able to help you to be able to get through that trauma. Um, And I know I've seen it before. Many people who've had dealt with uh, what you just said, trauma in the church. And, you know, that was going to be my next question. You know, um, what is trauma in the church, you know, and how does it affect the person's faith? Because for you to have to go through that, you know, just explain to us a little bit about how that even affected your faith as well. How it affected my faith so much more than I knew because healing of that particular trauma, the Lord took me through that in cycles because it was my deepest core trauma. In my mm-hmm. book, Emerging with Wings, it's a chapter called Bullseye because the Lord showed me how it was able to do the pervasive damage that it did, exactly what took place in my soul and how they were allowed to, to do that. You know, mm-hmm. how could that happen? How could that happen? Cause I was like 10 or 12 or something like that. And what happened was the Lord showed me that the devil in, implanted the, a lie in my heart that I believed. And I believed that lie because of all the trauma before that, all the emotional neglect. So I was easy prey. And the lie that I believed was the opposite of a scripture where it says, whoever comes to Jesus, I will in no wise cast out. Mm -hmm. But I believed at that age that I came to Jesus and he himself cast me out. And if God casts you out, there's no hope. Hmm. And the Lord showed me later as he took me through, because I struggle to believe the love of God. It's why I have such a passion to help people know and believe the love of God is 
it took me over 34 years for the Lord to convince me to really believe it. Even on my worst day, he loves me. Mm-hmm. And I believe it now with all my heart and no one can take that away from me. <laughs> He's got that in there. But he showed me one of the side effects I had from that trauma was I expected rejection everywhere I went. And pretty much I wasn't disappointed because mm-hmm. I had that expectation in myself. So it's like I, I drew that to myself in many ways because mm-hmm. my mindset, my insides were just so ravaged by that. Like you said, children, they're not done developing yet. They mm-hmm. don't have the presence of mind to know better. They, they're only using partial pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and their brain isn't even um, developed millionly capable yet, developed enough to um, be able to, you know, deal with the issues that they have to deal with because it's mm-hmm. still growing and they're still learning. Um, and so that's why it's important for those that um, family members or caregivers or those that are around um, show the love, even when you think you're showing enough love to sit down and talk with the young people um, about, you know, your love for the particular child, because, um, you know, we when I was growing up, I knew my mother loved me. Um, at our young age, she didn't say it as much because she was going through a lot, you know, within her own um, self or and just dealing with things that we had dealt with in the home. And so she was going through her personal struggles. And even though I knew she loved us, but it was never said a lot. And I think at a point it affected me until we got older and God healed me. And so I encourage listeners, you know, you know, make sure you tell your children you love them and, you know, you hold them and you, you know, you just share that love or even people um, that you are close to or you have a relationship with in the family, um, because it is important, you know, with everything that is going on today in the world, you know, with COVID and, you know, the wars that's going on um, and just the self uh, issues that everyone deals with. We, everybody wants to know that God loves them, that they, they are loved, like you were saying earlier. And it's so important. And it's not hard just to say, I love you, you know, um, and mean it, um, especially when you get healed. And especially mm-hmm. when you, you are able to get through that trauma. Because if you don't get through it, then you're not able to trust people. Right. Um, you're not able to open up. You know, there's a block and a wall there. You won't let, allow people in. Um, and uh, Danielle, is that a sign of um, a warning sign that there has been trauma there if a person is not able to open up? That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also bouncing around from one relationship to another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's important listeners to, if you see those warning signs uh, that you get help and be able to deal with that. And, you know, Danielle, you have, in, um, you have a four-step process called self s-e-l-f um and you help others to understand how to emerge with a clear vision of their value by healing their childhood self um so would you briefly explain to this about healing your childhood self oh well my my process self i want to say why i chose the word self as Mm -hmm. my process too for two reasons because our self is where our choice resides And we need our choice to choose to heal, to do the work, because there's work to do. Mm -hmm. When you need to heal from things, there's work to do. There's things to to process, things to feed on, things to practice. There's behaviors, all kinds of things to do little by little by little. And those 
require choices and that choice resides in ourself. People cannot make our choices for us. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. have to make that choice ourselves. And the other reason I chose the word self is because in some Christian circles, the word self is a bad word. Right. They, and <laughs> I, that was part of, you asked how the trauma affected my relationship with God. I thought myself was evil and bad. And that was why I was trying to kill myself slowly because mm-hmm. self was a bad thing. But the self is not a bad thing. The self is the soul, the flesh that the Bible is telling us about that we need to crucify. That's the ego. Mm-hmm. That's the ego that wants to be God. Right. <laughs> but the self, that's our soul. That's our mind, our will, our emotions. That's And the Bible talks about possessing our soul with patience because it takes patience to go through that. <laughs> so I chose the acronym self on purpose to deal with the childhood trauma because it's C, S is for C, which is about awareness because you can't deal with something you're not aware of. E is for expose because you need to find out why and look underneath the rug and what was the cause. L is for love because we need to be empowered by love or we will not have any courage to do the F, which is F is for free, which is taking action in the step toward freedom. And you go Mm -hmm. through that repetitively in a cycle to bring about healing and you can deconstruct your childhood. Some people, they need to go to counseling and I'm not their person, mm-hmm. but I, I take people through the self path and they can go through their childhood and they can identify what things have not been dealt with. And then they, they can deal with them in the way that fits their life so that the Lord can heal that out of them. Yes. And while you were talking, I was thinking about this. I was at church and I was telling some people, I told the people, I said, you know, um, God can heal you in, in, in a Sunday morning service. He can heal your heart. You can go through a process of deliverance, but even after that, you know, that Sunday morning, it takes more than just Sunday morning, especially when you've suffered with uh, trauma or you've dealt with an issue. You, you can't just, you know, God, you know, sometimes uh, in, in the religious circles or the spiritual circles, um, you know, all you have to do is trust God and believe and he's a healer and he will heal you and you're delivered and you don't have to go back to it no more. You don't have to, you know, uh, talk about it anymore. You know, once he's healed you, you're healed. You shouldn't be, you know, dealing with that anymore. But I believe that, you know, because if you've gone through series of trauma for so many years, God, he can heal you instantly, but we still have to do. And I told him that, but there's still a process that we have to take in order to keep our deliverance. And that could be starting out to find out why you suffered the trauma in the first place. How did it get there? And going through the process of being healed so that you can help somebody else so that um, you can be free, like you were talking about earlier. And so sometimes it's not a one hit wonder, but you have to go through the counseling, go through coaching, you know, do whatever it is that you need in order to heal yourself. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, a lot of times now they say, you know, you're talking about the self, that's new age, you know, that's what the new age do, you know, that's new age thinking, new age thought, but no, God put it on there. um, Paul in the Bible, he said he had to beat his body and put it under subjection to the Holy Spirit because he was going through uh, so many things and his flesh and his soul wanted to do the opposite. So he had to train and discipline his body. And so that's the thing I think too, when you were talking about that with the self is that we have to be 
wise enough to know when we need extra help. And it's nothing wrong uh, with getting help and nothing wrong with, you know, I think about that, that gives you support. It's nothing wrong with having support. To me, help is support. You may not have gotten it with your family. You may not have gotten it with a friend. Um, but when you go through um, the four-step process with you, uh, Danielle, or go through counseling with, um, you know, a therapist or, you know, whatever it is that you're going and you're getting help with, that is part of taking care of your soul. It is taking care of your spirit and it's taking care of your mind. And so it's very important that we understand in order to heal we have to do something after the fact, not just a one hit wonder. So I loved how you said that. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought that up because there is a big problem, I think, in many church circles that they just say the prayer and then you're fine. Right. You do this thing and you're fine. And it's not true. You've been stenched in these things for years. Mm-hmm. Unless God does some sort of a miracle, which it would take, because it, it isn't just, you know, one thing. Mm-hmm. It needs to be worked out just like it takes needing to put yeast into dough. You have to need in, need healing into our, into our lives, into our soul. God has to work that into us, down into our roots. It takes time. Like mm-hmm. there are certain injuries that require multiple surgeries. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't have just one surgery. They have to do one, let it heal, and they have to do it again. That is true of trauma in many instances, not all. It was true with me because I know the Lord helped me because I was beating on myself of why is this taking so long? And he taught me a word called microsurgery and taught me about how they had to, this thing called microsurgery. And there was an example of this guy, this person's leg and how it had been shredded and it had grass and dirt and all kinds of stuff in it. And how they had to go through this great big long process over and over and over and over again, just to clean the wound before they could start working at healing the wound. Mm -hmm. And then they had to do multiple things for it to heal because it was this process. It was a process because of how deep the wound goes. That's how deep the healing needs to go. God will go as deep as you let him go so you can be as free as he wants you to be. That's so true. And, you know, even as you were talking, I was thinking about Jesus and the disciples, (laughs) you know, um, when he came to the disciples, each one of the disciples had issues, they had traumas, they had things that they were dealing with. And he was the son of God and he was with them, but it took several years of them walking with him to finally start to realize who they were, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and not uh, recognize them as who they thought they were, but as God saw them, as Jesus saw them, especially Peter, when he denied Jesus Christ, um, you know, uh, he didn't think that God would use him at some point because he had denied him, but God still came around and used him, even though he was a person that had backed up. And I'm, I, I can only imagine, I couldn't even imagine, you know, what he had been thinking of himself, you know, mm-hmm. after he had denied him, you know, just the low self-esteem, the low self-worth and all of that, that came with it. Uh, but Dang. Jesus was there, you know, <laughs> he, it, he restored him, you know, and he said, upon this rock, you will build my church. And so he had loved him. Like you were talking about, he loved him and he encouraged him and built him back up, but that was a process. It wasn't mm-hmm. just 
you know, a one hit thing. And so it was just like revelation came off when he said that. And the Holy Spirit said, you know, when I walk with my disciples, you know, it was a process they had to learn. Um, and so it didn't happen over there. Even though he was a miracle worker, there's some things that we have to be trained and taught or um, walk through in order to understand how to heal. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, and shame is a real big, a real big obstacle. And I'm real big about shame is never good. Guilt is good because <laughs> then you can get to, you know, admitting the truth and, and, you know, making things right. But shame is crushing. And I love the picture of going back to the original sin, mm -hmm. go in the garden, Adam and Eve, they listen to the devil, they eat, you know, and they're naked and all that stuff. They weren't, they were naked and not ashamed. And then after they fell, what was the first thing they hid? because there was shame. Mm -hmm. Shame came with the fall. Mm -hmm. And then when God came to find them, if anyone had a right to shame them, it was God. Mm -hmm. But God did not shame them. He did not shame them. He asked, where are you? He gave them the opportunity to come clean. They did not. Mm -hmm. They blamed. <laughs> <laughs> we see that all, all the time. And then he protected them from being stuck in that way eternally by making them leave the garden. And he sacrificed for them and, and gave them clothes and covered their sin with the blood. I mean, and people think there's a place for shame. Shame is insidious and it is destructive. It wants mm -hmm. to just take someone's life away as shame is never good. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that when Jesus said in sending people into the world, when he left is, is that the message of forgiveness of sins, the message of forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, shame hinders, it can hinder you walking in the promises of God because you're, you're bound uh, thinking that there's no cure and no hope for you. You know, uh -huh. when you're constantly dealing with that shame and it, it, um, it just hinders your walk to be able to go forward. You know, mm -hmm. because you're constantly blaming yourself. You think everybody else is blaming you. It makes you feel like you're the worst person in the world and there's no help for you. No matter how many times you've tried, um, it doesn't seem like you'll ever change. Uh, and that's that's an assignment of the enemy to make you feel like you, you're, you're not able to change. You're not able to heal. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's just a lie from the enemy. Um, and it comes through shame, you know, shame, you know, and people nowadays, they turn away from shame. And, and even in the church and thinking about that, you know, and even how we deal with um, members and people, um, shame, we have to relook at that because it'll push some people away from the church a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be careful. No, we don't condone wrong, but there's a loving way in order to bring others back to the healing love of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, there's a you, whole lot of mm -hmm. people being afraid that people were condoning. Mm -hmm. You know, God is the judge of our hearts. Right. He told us to not judge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I understand that there has to be rules and things like that, but there's been too heavy a hand on people. This is how you have to do it. Mm -hmm. That's why that's where grace comes in. Right. We teach what grace is. Grace is the power of God to empower us to be what he created us to be. Yeah, it's his grace is power at work within us to take that to tell us, yes, you can change with me without me. You can't like Jesus said to the disciples after they had the whole you know, eye of the needle thing and um, rich man can't enter the heaven, can't enter the kingdom of God, that whole thing. And 
that's been projected in a different way than how I've seen it recently. You know, I think it was Peter who responded. It's like, well, then who can be saved? And right. <laughs> stopping there to see, you know, what was that is because in the Old Testament, prosperity and wealth was evidence of the blessing of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he was speaking to that. If those who are under the blessing of God can't be saved, then who can? Mm-hmm. People talk about money and wealth as if that's evil too. It's not. Right, right. The heart of man. Money's a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. have a personality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the people. It's the hearts of the people. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said after that was, well, with men, it is not possible. It, humanly speaking, it's not possible. But with God, all things are all possible. Things. Because yeah. the rich can't be saved. The poor can't be saved. Nobody can be saved without God saving us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we can't save ourselves. It's why Jesus came. Yes, that is so true. And you encourage others you know, to take ownership of their choices and hear their adult self uh, to rebuild their life. Uh, could you explain a little bit to the listeners about how to do that? Rebuild their well, life. Um, mm-hmm. Take ownership. Of, a lot of people, they pass the buck. Some people even do that in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, they're supposed to be doing, God is calling them to do something. They're just waiting on God. They're just waiting on God. <laughs> right. Waiting on God. Wait on God till they die because they're not doing anything because they're exactly. pawning off their responsibility on God. But God has given us things and people like to use the word responsibility and stewardship. And I I get that, but term ownership is much more empowering because when you own something, you invest yourself in it more. Very good. Think about if you have a teenage son and you bought him a pair of Nike shoes and then he left them out in the rain. It's like, and then you say to him the next day, Hey, if you would have bought those, would you left those out in the rain? No. (laughs) Yep. That's the power of ownership. When we have a responsibility, responsibility, someone can put that on you. Ownership is something that you take yourself. It's much more empowering. So if you take ownership of your life, you get one life. God gives us one life and he wants us to take ownership of it. He made that clear in the garden. He gave us a clear choice, you know. Life or death, very clear choice. It wasn't the devil that put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Mm -hmm. God gave us a choice. He wants us to own that and to own our choice. And so he wants us to take ownership of our lives. And, you know, sometimes it's not just childhood trauma. We go through trauma as adults Mm -hmm. and we need to take ownership of that so we can move forward. That's a different bear, uh, adult trauma and childhood trauma, because childhood trauma is the developmental and it affects the brain and the psyche differently than the adult. And I, going back to dismissing trauma, and one of the things that helped me to really see a trauma in a more emotional, heartfelt light, because as an adult, you're looking back. You're seeing your childhood trauma as an adult. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing it as a child. You're an adult now. I have grandchildren. Last year, one of my granddaughters was in first grade. She was six years old. And I thought about that granddaughter of mine going through what I went through in first grade with my teacher. And then I understood the pain that I went through as a child. 
Mm -hmm. You can see it in that developmental picture. Mm -hmm. I have grandchildren that are the age that I was when that happened in the church. I see where they are developmentally, mm -hmm. you know, and it's different. As an adult, you see it different. You process it different. So you need to take ownership, ownership of it in the way in which it needs to be addressed, whether it's childhood or whether it's adult. And if it's moving forward out of that, if you have dealt with it moving forward and not getting stuck. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. You know, talk a little bit about charting your path to purpose and embracing your God-given greatness. You know, how can one start this, or, or I should say promise, you know, talking about charting your path to promise and embracing your God-given grace or greatness. How can one start this process? Well, I love the term God-given greatness. I, I use that because I believe there's greatness inside of every person. And so I want to say to you listening, there is greatness inside of you, whether you believe it or not, whether you can see it or not, there is greatness inside you. And to start, if you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> the start would be to dare to entertain that thought. Well, mm -hmm. maybe I do. Maybe I have. If you can do the maybe, if you're, you're like blowing it off, start with the maybe. Maybe, maybe that lady's right. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. And you, you like chew on that, like gum and let that get it. You have to chew on it to get into your heart, the possibility that God loves me that much. God puts stuff inside me like that. And we need to know who we are. We need mm -hmm. to learn who we are and we need to heal the things that are broken because when things are broken, we don't know who we are. We don't know what we like. We don't know what we don't like. We don't know what we're good at. We don't know what we're not good at. For years, I, you know, you have all these personality tests. I took personality tests for fun, trying to figure out who I was. <laughs> I think and so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't answer the questions. I didn't know the answer. Mm -hmm. Like they would ask me what my strengths and weaknesses are. I'm like, I, I don't know, because strengths were full of pride and weaknesses were unforgivable. So I, inside my soul, I was incapable of owning those things. And so if anyone's struggling with that, it's like you have to own who you are, who God made you to be. You have to heal the core of who you are and let God unveil to you what he's put inside there. You'll have things that you have inklings toward and things that you're just, you have quirks toward and you get to discover that. And it's the most enjoyable process to go through as the Lord <laughs> unveils things like that to you. It's so cool. I have a 30 day uh, book thing I have on my website for people to go through if they're in the place that they're ready to go forward of, you know, what, what is important to me? What does matter to me? What do I want to do? It's based on a book called unhackable because I'm a certified unhackable coach and it's mm -hmm. unhackable. It's dealing with not being distracted. When, when mm -hmm. something gets hacked, they get unlawful access. Like if your computer gets hacked. Well, we get hacked all the time by social media, scrolling, the phone rings, it chirps, this and all this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, if we want to accomplish something, we have to be able to focus. We have to be able to find out what does really matter to me. And it's not just, it matters to me for five minutes and, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because something that's our, our God-given promise, our God-given greatness, it will be in there and it will, you won't be able to eradicate it. It will be in there. You'll find it. You'll be able to mine it like you mine uh, diamonds. Mm -hmm. 
That's wonderful, wonderful. Well, Danielle, would you pray for the listeners? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I think oh, it's sure. a great it's a great place to pray for those that may be listening right now. Oh, Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, I thank you for this opportunity yes, to be Lord. here with Tiffany. Yes. And Lord. to share these words with the listeners today, whoever's listening, you know who they are, Lord God. Yes. And you love them with an everlasting love. Yes. You love them all the time, every moment, and they can't make you stop. And I pray, Father, for everyone listening, you minister that to their heart, that they would feel the love, that they would entertain the love like you had to start with me. I had to start with it's a possibility. It took you 34 years, Father. You never give up on us. Yes. So I pray for whoever needs to know your love, that you would reveal it to them, minister it to them. <coughs> yes, you, Lord. Encourage them, strengthen them, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And I encourage you listeners today um, that if you've been suffering um, with any type of trauma, and um, she's going to give us her information in a minute about how you can get in contact with her. Um, but as you have, you, you know, as we've been talking and giving examples, you may be one that has been experiencing um, some of the trauma and you realize, hey, uh, that's me, you know, I'm dealing with that. I'm, I'm going through that and I'm ready to be free. And I feel the presence of the Lord, even as she was praying and even as we were talking, that some of you didn't even realize that that pain was there and you're even crying now and there's a healing, that's a healing even taking place um, that you are being set, and free, set free from but you have to take it even further with getting help, with getting counseling, uh, and even going through the self-process with Danielle uh, on her website. So we just encourage you to know that God is with you. He loves you and he forgives you. Um, and there's grace and mercy over your life. There is healing for your soul and it is not over for you. God has just begun the process in your life and you're getting ready to embark upon a new beginning. And I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so be encouraged today to know that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You may can't do it on your own, but Christ is the one who is able to strengthen you to be able to love yourself again, to be able to go back and allow God to heal you, allow God to love you. And some of you even block the Lord out because you, you've been so hard on yourself, but God is there for you, waiting for you. He never left you, but he has always been there waiting for you to come back to him. And so I encourage you today just, just to step out in faith and trust God and know that he is there with you. I want to thank you again, Danielle, for being a part of the podcast today. But, you know, would you briefly just let us, the listeners know how they can contact you? You mentioned your website earlier, but if you could give that to them again. Yes, it's DanielleBurnock.com. It's B-E-R-N-O-C-K.com. Because it sounds like a U-R, but it's an E-R. <laughs> DanielleBurnock.com. I also want to mention my book, Emerging with Wings, especially if when Tiffany was speaking to you and praying for you that you're struggling with. I, I just can't believe that, that God loves me, that mm -hmm. he didn't leave me. Get a copy of my book and you will be entertained because it's funny <laughs> and it's also heartfelt 
and it will show you how God will pursue you no matter what, because he mm -hmm. loves you so much. Yes, yes, yes. And so, I'm on all the different social medias and yeah. I have my podcast. <clears throat> right. So you will be able to find her and we will also have information for you uh, in the podcast notes and right in the section. So you can just look down on there and get all the information that you need from her. And we thank you again for listening in and we appreciate you being a part of this episode and just tuning in and listening and getting food for your soul. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Tasty Tidbits with Dr. Tiffany Watkins. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. To learn more about Dr. Tiffany, check out her blog on goodreads.com or visit her website at www.renewedfaithministriesinc.com. Until next time, stay blessed.